Hi, I'm Charlie Albone and welcome to episode two of That's How We Grow, in partnership with Steel Garden Power Tools. If your lawn is looking a little lacklustre after winter, you're certainly not alone. Cooler weather, increased rainfall, reduced hours of sunlight and regular morning frosts aren't exactly the perfect conditions for a nice lush lawn. But don't fret, there are plenty of things you can do to breathe some life back into it. But if you feel your lawn is beyond repair, we'll also take you through how to lay a brand new lawn and what are the key steps for success. Either way, I'll be sharing everything you need to know to spring your lawn back into shape. Now we are talking to lawn royalty, Joe Rogers. I've been buying lawn from Joe for years now. He's a top bloke and he knows everything there is about grass. He's the type of guy who watches rugby league just to look at the pitch. Without further ado, let's talk to Joe. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Um, you've got a pretty good pedigree when it comes to turf. You were brought up on a turf farm, is that right? Uh, yeah, that's right, Charlie. Thanks for having me. Um, my father started growing grass in Berry on the south coast of New South Wales in the late 1980s. So um, I was born early 90s, so I've been sort of on a farm ever since, uh, growing up, school holidays, that sort of thing. And yep. yeah, been, yeah, ever since I was born, so... And you got straight into the, the family business uh, when you left school. So, I mean, you're the man when it comes to grass. Yeah, yeah I won't tell a, your dad that. Yeah, yeah, don't say that too loudly. He'll be normally sneaking around somewhere. But no, um, ever since I left school, it was um, you know easy enough to get a job, I suppose, when, you, when your dad's the boss. But yeah. yeah, straight out of there and actually worked on a turf farm uh, for four or five years, cutting grass, delivering grass, growing grass. And um, yeah, since then, I've been working for, for Lawn Solutions Australia. Yeah, so you, you've done the whole lot. You know how it all works. When it comes to maintaining grass, what is sort of the optimum, uh, what is the optimum schedule for, for looking after grass? I know a lot of people, uh, I don't know if you'd call them lazy gardeners as such, but they kind of let the grass get too long and then they think, uh, I don't want to do this very often. I'm going to cut it as low as I possibly can. And I know yeah. that that's terrible for grass, right? So what is... Uh, and the reason for that is it, it scalps it. It, it mm -hmm. exposes all the bits that shouldn't be exposed to the sun. Um, it's really, really, really bad for it. What is the optimum sort of schedule for, for grass? Sure. Well, it, it is slightly dependent on your variety and where you are. But as a, as a general rule of thumb, um, you should be fertilizing three to four times a year. Um, and mm -hmm. that's really important. Uh, fertilizing obviously gives the grass its nutrients it needs to grow. So if you fertilize, as a rule of thumb, if people want to sort of keep this in the back of their minds, Grass goes into dormancy over winter, like plants, certain plants do. They, it slows down growing. It usually wakes up about you know early September, about springtime, and, you know later in September, early October. If you're in the cooler climates, you should fertilize as soon as you notice your grass is growing again. So as soon as you notice it wakes up from spring, it starts to green up, starts to grow. Fertilize it then, and then again around Christmas time, just to keep it going uh, through the really hot months of the year. And then I say Easter time, Anzac Day, sometime that day, uh, that time of year prior to winter are three crucial times of the year to fertilize. Regular mowing is really good for grass. It's really good for the health of the grass. It helps to tighten it up, strengthen it a lot. And if, you, if you're regularly cutting the top of lawn off, it's encouraging it to grow sideways. And what that does is that makes it a lot denser, thicker, and stronger. And it's actually a, nat a natural weed barrier. It really develops mm -hmm. a natural weed barrier. Uh, that's why um, golf courses and sports fields always look so good. They look so dense, so tight, so short. It's because they're mowing regularly. And I'm not telling people to get out there and mow every day because I know it's a chore to some people. It's a hobby to some others. But over the growing months, you know, once a week, uh, something like that, if you get the, the mower out on a Sunday morning and push it around, you're doing a lot of good things for your grass by mowing regularly. 
Yeah, so you're not suggesting every day or are you suggesting every day if you can? I'm not, I'm not <laughs> suggesting every day if you're that way inclined, um, absolutely. No, those people with um, – there's a lot of people out there now with cylinder mowers, the, the real yep. mowers that golf course and that use, and they yes. want their lawn cut at you know, 10, 12, 14 millimeters, really low. If you're doing that, two to three times a week is how much you're going to have to mow. Yes. And you would be shocked to know how many people around Australia do that now. It, it really, really is a growing trend and, trend and it's awesome to see. But for your average punter with a steel battery mower, whatever it is, is you want to be um, mowing about once a week um, to okay. keep a good lawn healthy over the warm Do you need month. to do your edges once a week as well? Uh, probably not as prominently as you have to mow your lawn. You could probably keep your edges to you know every second mow. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, personal preferences, it depends how you want it to look. If you want beautiful, straight, perfect edges – then yeah, do them once um, or every time you mow. Generally do them before you mow too. Yep. Um, it's a lot neater and cleaner. But you know, once every two to three mows is fine as well. It's not going to look too bad. I remember um, I was at the Chelsea Flower Show in 2015 and it was sort of the mad rush before judging occurred and it was pouring with rain and I looked across the garden uh, and we had a sunken lawn um, and I saw my mum on her hands and knees cutting the edges of the grass <laughs> with some scissors. That's how much my mum loves me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, wish, I don't know if my mum would do that for me. Actually, you got a good mother there. Mate, <laughs> yeah, so I've, got really, I've got a really good mother. <laughs> but um, actually, it's funny you say that. You, there's, a, there's a group of lawn fanatics in Australia that do something very, very similar to that. It's a hands and knees, scissor type business getting things yeah. perfect. So she's not alone there. Yeah, in, in Europe, people, they do that. They cut their edges by, by shears. Um, you know, in Australia, it tends to be more of a, a battery powered sort of whippersnipper type uh, trimmer edge that, that people go for. Yeah, each um, to their own. <laughs> yeah, each to their own, exactly. Um, so that's kind of the regular maintenance, you know, um, mowing once a week, doing the edges whenever, fertilizing three times a year. Mm. When it comes to scarifying, aerating, top dressing and all that stuff, is that a yearly process? Is it a seasonal process? How, how do you like to see it done? So I'd sort of class that as secondary lawn maintenance. So the, the stuff I mentioned before, which is fertilizing, mowing, and also watering too. Um, and Watering's important in times of you know drought. I, I usually say with watering just quickly, if it hasn't rained for two or three weeks and your grass is starting to wilt, starting to lose color, just give it a quick drink. And, and just remember when you're watering your grass, less frequent, deeper waterings are more effective than giving it a light splash here and there. So just keep that in the back yeah, of your mind. Yeah, it, it helps to draw the roots deeper into the soil, doesn't it? So it Correct, becomes more yeah. drought tolerant, yeah. Yep, you want to soak your lawn, get them roots down nice and deep. So when you do get another dry period, deeper roots mean it can access deeper water sources. So yeah, mm-hmm. you're drought-proofing the lawn essentially. So when it comes to scarifying, aerating, top dressing, what you just mentioned, again, does depend on the situation and what you're after. But as a rule of thumb, you should be aerating seasonally. I think, I think the start of spring um, is a great time to aerate. And aerate just before you fertilize will help them, them nutrients get down deeper into the soil. So what aerating is trying to do, it's sort of in the name, it's trying to let air um, into the soil base. And what can happen over a period of time, say a year, two years to a lawn that has regular traffic, is the soil can become really, really compacted. It can also almost be like concrete in a lot of situations. Mm. It gets that hard. So you just think for you know a young plant or or a small plant like turf grass trying to put roots down, it's easier to try to put it down into nice fluffy soil than it is to concrete. So poking holes in the soil and aerating or coring once a season is super important. Now scarifying is a funny one. More people are scarifying their lawns than ever uh, now because more people are trying to achieve that bowling green look. If you've got a cooch or a kaikuyu lawn, you can scarify as regularly as you pretty much want to. Once a year is a really good idea. 
And when you're scarifying Cooch or Kaikuyu, you can go right down to the dirt, essentially. Um, Cooch and Kaikuyu have things called rhizomes, which essentially are runners that grow under the ground. That's mm-hmm. why they pop up in your garden and that sort of thing sometimes. But if you cut them right down to the dirt, it sort of really rejuvenates young growth and gets the lawn back super healthy. If you've got a Sir Walter Buffalo lawn or any type of buffalo lawn, don't go as low when you're scarifying or dethatching because buffalo lawns don't have that underground, that strong underground rhizome. It's important to leave a little bit of matter on the surface when you're doing that. Okay. And would you um, top dress after you've aerated with sand to fill in those gaps? Great idea. Yeah, top dressing is a really, really good thing to do for lawn maintenance. And a couple of reasons, if you haven't quite got your preparation right, you haven't got the soil base you really want, using a top dress or top dressing regularly is a great way to incorporate a nice sandy soil into what could be a pretty clay heavy profile or something like that. And and doing it after top dressing or coring just makes it easy for that sand to get down a little bit deeper and improve the overall soil profile. So top dressing is a really, really important thing to do seasonally, I'd reckon too. I guess you could fill in any small divots and things like that as, as well and start to get that really flat lawn if, if you wanted to by doing it then as well. Yeah. Fixing it up with top dressing down the track is, a, is an easy enough thing to do and you'll get the result um, you're after a lot more effectively by doing it that way. The key to a good lawn is the preparation. So how do you achieve that? Okay, there's a couple of key steps to the process. The first one, uh, whether it's a, you know, a bit of building rubble from a building site or an existing lawn, is to spray a herbicide um, or a weed killer on whatever's there because if you don't, chances are um, whatever's growing there at the moment will pop back up through your new lawn, which is one thing you don't want. So first things first, spray the weeds dead. Generally, uh, two applications of a herbicide 10 to 14 days apart is a good idea, not just the one because you'll get a better kill on what's there and less chance of them popping up in the future. After you kill them, it's all about getting that base nice and soft and fluffy so it can drain and turf can put roots down nice and easily. So decompacting the soil is super important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you've got to import soil to get, your, to get your levels up to where they need to be, a nice sandy soil is best for turf. Nothing too heavy or too overly organic. Sandy loam or 80-20 mix or something like that is ideal for turf grass. Okay, so I've seen, um, you know, when people are laying grass, they, they decompact it, that gets the air back in it, that gives it a bit of fluffiness and a bit of life. And then you see mainly landscapers or people laying turf, I guess, doing that sort of silly dance as they shuffle across the grass, recompacting it. That sort of goes against what you're saying. Is, is that not the right thing to do? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a tricky one to find the balance. So you, you're spot on. You shouldn't be overly compacting uh, soil that you've just laid in preparation for turf because it sort of contradicts the whole idea of decompacting and getting it nice and fluffy. But mm-hmm. a little rule of thumb for people that are looking to lay some turf is it, when it comes to how compacted you should have the soil is you should be able to walk over it and see where your footprints are, but they shouldn't be leaving an indent in the soil so that you should see the marks of the boots or the shoes, but no indent, and then you know your soil's just the right amount of compaction for you to start laying turf. Okay, and removing uh, stones as well, that's an important thing to do. It's the, I guess it's the princess and the pea, isn't it? You know, you, you, the stone will come up through the, through the grass, you'll feel it when you're laying on it, that sort of stuff. Yep, yeah, removing stones, rocks, pebbles, tiles, any builder's rubbish or materials that are still left in the soil is really, really important for a couple of reasons. Uh, one of them is, is stones and rubble that's underneath the surface can heat up uh, quite quickly, can cause grass to dry out in certain areas. The other is grass finds it pretty hard putting roots down through stones and rocks and that sort of thing. So you can end up with a dead patch about the size of whatever it is underneath the surface. And just one last thing with that, it can be a bit of a safety hazard. If you've got kids and that sort of thing running around, 
tackling each other on the grass, the last thing you want is a semi-buried stone sitting right where you don't want it. I have two young boys that do a lot of that, chasing each other around, tackling each other on the grass at the moment, so I know all about that pain. Um, So when you got the soil right, so you've decompacted it, is it uh, good to add in any sort of compost or anything like that, or is that too organic, it breaks down too quickly and then you get lumps? No, look, a certain amount of compost or manure or something like that can be good. Um, you you just got to keep in mind that soil uh, turf loves free-draining soils. So as long as it's not clogging up um, the, the soil's ability to, to drain and absorb water, then it's fine. A lot, a lot of people use dynamic lifter and manures and that sort of thing to try and boost the organic, uh, the organic um, component content. of the soil, mm-hmm. the content, yeah, which is fine. But you just don't want to go too over the top. It's not like garden mix or garden soil. It's just got to be free draining. So you've got to keep that in the back of your mind whenever you're prepping your soil. Sure. So would you apply a soil wetter as well to make sure that you know, it's, it's free draining? Or would you do yeah, it after you- the grass? You, you, can, you, you can apply granular wetting agents before. Um, there's, there's a lot of starter fertilizers that people sell with turf um, actually have a wetting agent in them. So mm-hmm. that can be a, a really good idea to use a starter fertilizer uh, when you're laying turf. But wetting agents can generally be a, a applied after the, the lawn's installed if you're having any issues. Uh, but what I would recommend people to do is when they're buying their turf is just ask the question about a starter fertilizer uh, because a lot of them do have that wetting agent in it and it's a good way to give your lawn a nice kickstart. Okay, and so you've prepared the soil, getting your levels right is really important. You know, everybody wants that lovely, flat, perfectly flat lawn. Is that what you're trying to achieve or do you need some sort of a fall on it? No, you need some sort of a fall on it and there's a bit of a misconception. People want that beautiful bowling green lawn look. Just keep in the back of your mind, don't spend hours and hours getting it absolutely millimetre laser perfect. Reason being is turf's a natural product. It's a part of agriculture. Not every apple, not every potato is the same. Not every roll of turf is exactly totally uniform. It's not like timber boards. They're not made Mm -hmm. in a factory. So if you spend all the time getting your prep billiard table, you know, beautiful, perfect, you can be a little bit disappointed when the turf can be different, you know, a mil or two out in thickness. So what we say is get it smooth, get it flat, but don't spend too much time getting it inch perfect. You're best to fix the levels if you want that look after the turf's um, established in. But the, the, the main thing I'll say when it comes to levels and getting that sorted is just to keep drainage and water flow in mind. The last thing you want is a pool in your yard because turf hates nothing like wet feet, doesn't like wet feet. So if you're pulling to the center of your yard and your lawn's staying wet, that's when you run into troubles. So just think about water flow and getting that water away when you're prepping your soil. Okay. And when you're, so when you're prepping the levels, it's good to use a, so, a soil spreader to get it level, but don't bother getting on your hands and knees with a spirit level. It's not going to make the difference. No, no. You, look, you can to get it reasonably smooth, but just don't don't spend it. Be out there hours with a laser level and a and a you know a screed and getting it millimeter perfect. Yep. Uh, because the you know the the fact of agriculture is not every bit's the same. Yes. Uh, so whilst it is very very consistent, there can be millimeter undulations here and there. So you just don't want people spending too much time. It's easier to fix afterwards. So when you come to actually laying the turf down, mm-hmm. what's the mm-hmm. process of that? I, you know, for me, I like to do uh, a, a border around the outside and then mm-hmm. stagger the joins on the inside because then you lessen the stripes when it, when it inevitably dries out. Sounds like you've done this a couple of times before. I've, I've laid a bit of turf <laughs> my time, yeah. Uh, is, is that the way to do it? Am I doing no, it right? You, no, you're spot on. You're yeah. spot on. So it is important whether you're laying slabs or rolls, depending what type of you know harvester the farm uses, is to lay a border around the outside. And the reason for that 
is A, it looks great, but B, is when you're laying on the outside, you're generally laying up hard, up against hard surfaces like pavers, paths, fences, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And because they're, they're, they're harder surfaces, generally they heat up more, so they attract more heat. So if you use cuttings or little bits of turf up against these hard surfaces, they tend to dry out that little bit quicker. So it's better to use full slabs or full rolls around the outside. And the other point you made there about staggering your joints is super important. So just like you would uh, people do herringbone patterns like they do with brick, or if you just do standard staggered brickwork pattern, that's great. The reason why that's good is especially if you're laying on slopes uh, to prevent forms of erosion, it just knits that turf in a lot better. But the other reason is it just looks a lot better. You don't want the same consistent lines um, running you know, parallel when you're laying your turf. You want it all knitted in together. It'll establish a lot better and it'll look better and it'll prevent erosion. Would you uh, top dress as soon as you've laid to fill in any gaps between the rolls to stop it drying out? Um, look, you can. There's, there's no harm in doing it. The only reason, the only situation I would tell people to do it is if you're in a cooler climate like Victoria, SA, and you're laying turf on a shoulder season, so late April, early spring, something like that, it can help to speed up establishment somewhat before winter sets in. But generally, if you butt your the edges of your rolls and slabs up nice and close together, generally there won't be a need to top dress at all. But if you're going to do it, just use a sand um, or a really sandy soil to do it. But generally, if you do the job properly like like you do in all your jobs, um, oh. I'm saying you, you, you wouldn't need to do it. Sounds good. There's, a, there's an old saying... Uh in gardening that you know you pick the right plant for the right spot and you know, it's going to succeed is that the same with turf is it the different varieties are for for different requirements yeah absolutely and it's i'm i'm sure this is similar to plants i'm not a big expert in plants but there, there are certain varieties that handle shade better that handle um, wear and tear better that use less water that mm-hmm. should be used in certain situations so a, a lot of the time turf fails is it simply the wrong varieties put in the wrong spot so like anything, we've got shade tolerant varieties, we've got wear tolerant varieties, and we've got varieties that use less water. So if you don't have that good access to irrigation, or you, you know, you're in a, a rural area, uh, there's certain varieties that suit certain applications a lot better. What is the best grass for shade? Because that's the one question I get asked the most. You know, you're under a tree; it's quite a shady spot. Can you use grass, or is it better to maybe go for a ground cover or something like that? No, you can use grass. Grass has its limits, um, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's a really common question now with, with the modern-day housing estate, I guess you'd call them, small blocks, big houses, lots mm-hmm. of shade. So there are uh, shade-tolerant varieties. The most shade-tolerant you'll get is a softleaf buffalo, like Sawalter, DNA mm-hmm. certified, is, is Australia's most popular variety. And the reason it is so popular is because of its shade tolerance. So you can get away with Sawalter in as little as sort of two to three hours of sunlight a day. Um, okay. You'll need a little bit more than that if you're getting regular wear and tear on it. Uh, but as a rule of thumb, um, if you put Sawalter, uh, Sawalter DNA certified buffalo in two to three hours of sunlight or low light areas, it'll generally succeed and do pretty well. Is there ever a time when you suggest, <laughs> and I, I, I'm glad that I'm on the other side of the screen when I say this, artificial turf? Um, that's a swear word around here, Charlie. <laughs> yeah. So just, just really watch yourself there. But um, I, I'm with you on that. I can't stand the stuff. Um, I've got a friend who has it and he loves it. And I think it's the most repulsive stuff I've ever seen. No, it's, um, look, look, I'm, like everything, it does have its place. If you've got a situation where you want something green and nothing else will work, it's in full shade, then yeah, maybe you might consider putting it in. I think other things look better. Uh, but the problem with it is is people generally rip it out after they put it in because they don't like it, and it often ends up in landfill and it doesn't decompose and it's just ugly rubber. The only time I found it good is if you've got two Alsatians and no sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then it works well. 
<laughs> Heavy wear yeah. and tear and no, and no sunlight at all is about the only time you'd put it in. Yeah. So we, we've discussed about our disgust of um, fake grass, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. that, that's a very modern thing. Uh, one thing that I do like about modern gardening is uh, robotic lawnmowers, and I know you're a huge fan of these. Now, I've got um, the still IMO on my property, and I love everything about it. I think it's great, and I know you, you love them as well. What is it? I mean, for me, it's, it, it takes the chore of gardening out, and my grass looks healthier. What, what is it that you love about them? Yeah, well, I was, um, I've got to say when they first sort of surfaced a few years ago, um, being a diehard lawny, I was a little bit skeptical on them. Um, mm. I've got one at my place now and products like the Still Eye Mow and Robotic Mowers in general, I really think they're the future and I'm a big fan of them for a couple of reasons. Um, personal or a selfish reason, whatever you want to call it, it's less work um, yep. at the end of the day. And look, I do like mowing my lawn, I always did, but I like doing other stuff like hanging with my mates, family, that sort of thing, um, doing nothing sometimes too. So the amount of time you actually save with a robotic mower is really, really good. And it's generally important time too. So you're at work, you know, most people are at work for X amount of hours a week. You only get a small amount of time to spend at home with your friends, with your family, doing the things you love, uh, doing the things you want. So if, if you take a chunk of that out, of that out with mowing, um, robotic mowers can get rid of that. So from mm. a personal point of view, it's great. But from the health of your lawn, and this is often quite overlooked, um, robotic mowers like the like the Steel Imo, what they do is because they're not catching clippings, they're they're actually mulching small lawn clippings back into the garden, back into the grass every time they mow. Lawn clippings are a really really good source of nitrogen. So technically, you're, you're kind of fertilising your lawn uh, minutely, uh, fertilising your lawn every time you mow, and if you multiply that by every single day. Um, you're putting a lot of nutrients back into your lawn. So it is really, really good for the healthier grass. So it's like the circle of life. You know, we could hold Simba up to the sun and start singing <laughs> The Lion King every time the mower goes out. <laughs> yeah, if you're that way inclined, Charlie, you can do that. No worries at all. But um, no, look, they're, they're super quiet. They're good for the environment. And I mentioned before, mowing regularly is good. You mm. can't get much better than something that goes out every night and cuts your grass for you. It's, um, they're, they're a really, really good thing. And I think they're the future of lawns in Australia. So do you run yours at night or during the day? Because I run mine during the day so I can watch it because I like, <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch it mow the grass. That, that, that's the problem. Um, wives get cranky with their husbands or husbands get cranky with their wives and mow on the lawn too much and all they do is sit there and watch it for the same amount of time that they used to be mowing. So I tend to run mine at night um, more so than I do in the day. It doesn't really matter. I've just got the schedule on it at night. There's no rhyme or reason to it. I just, um, sure. I suppose my front yard is quite uh, accessible. Um, mm-hmm. So it is nice to know that you're a little bit safer when the thing's buzzing around at night. With garden tools as such, um, brush cutters and, and hedge trimmers and stuff, battery is really um, pushing forward. And like the robotic lawnmowers, they're, they're sort of battery powered, if you will. But so mm-hmm. are push mowers now. And the performance on those is is getting pretty it, well, it's pretty close to petrol, if not better. Um, some of the mowers you notice when they, when you take them over slightly longer grass, they speed up to to cope with the stress on on the motor. Um, are you seeing um, when people are asking you about lawn care, people are moving towards battery mowers? Yeah, you're seeing a lot now, and and rightly so. Um, look, the petrol mowers are great, and they will be great for a long, long time, but. Battery mowers have so many wonderful benefits now and the power you're getting out of battery mowers now mm. is really, really good. Like you, you can almost scarify a lawn uh, with a battery mower. They're so powerful and it's great. And 
Um, because I'm not the most mechanically minded person, having not the mixed fuel and oil and having fuel handy in the in the shed and making a mess and spilling it everywhere yep. is so so good. And I know um, you know with the steel range you can have the you know, the one battery for the mower, the whippersnipper, the blower, the hedger, all that sort of stuff. And it is so much neater. It's quieter. Um, you can get out at six thirty instead of seven in the morning to annoy the crap you don't out know of your my neighbours. I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but um, for, just from an ease of use point of view, you're never changing spark plugs. You're never doing any of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And and now we're getting the performance out of battery products. So I I think they're a definite um, thing to consider if you're looking to buy some new equipment for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The steel battery mower actually just got awarded Choice's best battery mower, which is good. That's amazing. That's great, yeah, yeah. and like, like I said, they they really are getting better. So from a, a person who likes to really cut into their grass and they mm. think only a petrol mower can do that, the proof's in the pudding there with the award steel's got their, the, the power they're getting now is really, really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. What is it you think, uh, why do people like looking out a really nice flat lawn? People are really starting to appreciate how important a good lawn is or a good mm-hmm. backyard is or a good open space is. And what an open space does for you at home is, it, is it, like you said, it allows you to create memories. You talk to people what they did when they were growing up and the first thing they normally say is they played backyard footy, they played backyard cricket, they, mm-hmm. they built bike jumps, they did this, they did that. We don't realise how much we actually use our lawns. So they're so important to have and they're so important to keep in good condition and I think that's become evident with lockdowns now is is having a good, healthy garden is is so good for so many reasons. Not just the um, you know, the look and the feel of it, but the mental and physical health benefits you get out of having a nice green open space. And mm. I know you, you'd feel the same here. Even taking your shoes off and just walking out on the grass, you instantly feel better. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it cools the house down. It it, ta- it absorbs dust. It does so many wonderful things that are often quite overlooked. Yeah, it does. And and um, I think you've told me in the past a, an interesting fact about the amount of oxygen a regular lawn produces compared to a tree. Yeah, so the we we you know had these figures in in and around our I guess our marketing over the years is uh-huh. an an average size lawn will absorb more carbon and emit more oxygen than the world's largest tree. Um, so. The more lawns we get out there, the more carbon we're absorbing, the more oxygen we're emitting, and we're creating this, um, you know, this this wonderful natural air conditioner. Um, I guess it's creating beautiful, clean air, and it's also cooling uh, everything down as well. Yeah. What uh, What would be the number one problem you see with lawns? What do people come to you saying? I've got this problem. Is it a fungal problem? Is it a drainage problem? What What, what is it? Generally, the the most problems, are, the most common problems we get are generally the easiest ones to fix. I think compacted, compacted or poor quality soil would probably be the number one. That's mm-hmm. because so many problems actually stem from that. Even you, you mentioned fungus there, you mentioned weeds, you mentioned bare patches in your lawn. They're actually all related to poor soil quality. So I think compacted soils are probably the reason for the most majority of lawn problems. So. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I like to tell people is that if they're not happy with the quality of their lawn or how their lawn's looking, it's got too many weeds, it's got a fungus, yada, 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 aerate, fertilize, top dress will get rid of 90% of lawn problems straight away because you're correcting that soil base. Mm. A, healthy, a healthy soil base is a healthy lawn. So I just think um, it's often quite overlooked. So if you're not quite happy with something, generally an aerate, a fertilize, and a top dress will make the problem go away. But like you said, preparation is the key to success when it comes to a lawn. 100% grass is just a pretty little thing on top. <laughs> it is pretty, but it's just a, all the benefit out of a good lawn comes with that preparation. So it is so important to get right. Well, Joe, thank you so much for your advice today. 
there's going to be many gardeners out there this weekend giving their lawn a little bit of love. So thank you for your time. No worries. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Now it is time for some community questions and I do love answering these. So Brent from Lithgow, New South Wales asks, Hi Charlie, my lawn is uneven and has a couple of low patches. Can I just add some new soil to the area to level the lawn or do you have any special tips for leveling a lawn? Now, this all depends on how deep the divot is in your lawn. If it's a small divot, you can just put some sand on top and the grass will grow through. If it's a larger divot, like a, a pretty noticeable one that you might trip over as you walk up, you might want to cut a section of the grass out and then add some soil to bring the level up and then put the grass back. And the reason you do that is if you put sand on top of that grass, it's just going to decompose its organic matter and then you're going to have a drop in level again. So if you can get rid of the grass, fill it up with a sand and then put a grass on top, you're going to get a much better effect. And as Joe says, you need to fertilize and water that in well to establish it. Nikki from Victoria says, I have a large tree in the front garden that has big shade around it causing no grass. There is amazing grass in the rest of the garden. Is there anything I can do to start growing grass in an area that is in shade? Now, shade is a big killer for grass. You could try a shade tolerant variety such as Sir Walter Buffalo. But in my opinion, if it's not going to get more than three or four hours of sunlight, it's never going to be doing very well. So my preference is to go for something that's going to thrive in that area. You could use a lawn substitute. Something like a dichondra is going to give you a really low green ground cover. You could maybe try something like a juga. It might give you a little bit more height. You get a purple flower with it and it's going to cover the ground. That's going to remove any dust issues. It's going to look really nice and it's just going to lift your whole garden. You're not going to have half eaten, half decent looking lawn, I should say. You're going to have a great looking ground cover. Do you have a gardening question you'd like us to answer? Send us an email at charlie@still.com.au. I look forward to getting your questions. Thanks for listening to That's How We Grow in partnership with Still Garden Power Tools. So what have we learnt? Well, I learnt that preparation is the key to a perfect lawn. And when you're mowing, you need to be mowing more often and take less off. Or if you don't have the time, just make a shift towards a robotic mower like an iMower and it can do it all for you. We also learnt how to repair your lawn no matter the size of the problem. A little bit of aeration, sandy top dress and fertilise three times a year. In our next episode, I will be joined by Australia's favourite home cook, Maggie Beer. She's not only an amazing cook, but has some of the best knowledge around when it comes to growing veggies. She cooks with all the produce grown on her property in the Barossa Valley, so we'll talk about all things veggie patches and maybe even find out Maggie's secret ice cream recipe. Do you need the tools to take on any garden challenge? Or perhaps you want to learn more about Still's battery lawnmowers or their IMO robotic mower? Go to still.com.au or head to your local Still dealer today. Follow Still on Instagram at still underscore au and follow me on Instagram as well at charlie underscore albone. And don't forget to check out Still's blog with plenty of great gardening advice, tips and tricks. Thanks for listening. <laughs>